Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Jamie with Madlet Musings. And today I have Rachel Houck with us. She is a New York Times, USA Today bestselling author, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, double Rita finalist, a Christie and Carol Award winner, and just an all around cool person. Back at you, cool person. Hello. <laughs> Let's just get real. You're cool. We don't need all these extra tags. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, right? Forget all of that stuff. Is she cool? <laughs> is she cool or is she not? No, most people I have on here is pretty cool. So, um, but you just came out with a book, The Best Summer of Our Lives. Yes. Which sounds like a really, really good book. But tell us just a little bit about it and we'll just chit chat. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. It was about four best friends. They meet in kindergarten. Um, and I went a little bit on the nose with the name summer. So I did summer, autumn, snow, and spring. So they grew up being the four seasons and two of them didn't have siblings. And so they were just in and out of each other's houses. Two of the mothers had history. So they were best friends. They survived junior high and high school, which we know is a huge feat with four friends. Yeah. And they want to have the best summer of their lives between high school and college. But when they go off to college, they're going to pledge the same sorority. They're going to live in the same dorm. They're just going to be roomies and best each other's bridesmaids. They had their whole lives planned. But they get in a little bit of trouble and find themselves sentenced to be camp counselors at a girl girls camp that summer is re, mothers is rebooting from and going to Tumbleweed, Oklahoma, which is a town I made up because I wanted it to sound like Tumbleweed, Tumbleweed Oklahoma. Tumbleweed, Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> it's actually by uh, Skia Hook Lake. Skia Took Lake. Now I can't remember since it's been so long. Um, out in, which is a real place in Oklahoma. But they okay. lived in Tallahassee, so they're on a Greyhound bus. Um, all the way to Tumbleweed by way of Joplin and they find out that they all have secrets so and it does not look at all like it's going to be the best summer of their lives but mm -hmm. sometimes beauty and the best things come from those trials we were just talking a little bit about that before the podcast the trials and the, the suffering that we go through right absolutely absolutely well and summer camp is just notorious for a place to discover all those things about ourselves that we didn't really want to talk about <laughs> absolutely absolutely and they had never been to camp and they'd never been camp counselors but uh, they jumped in and so it really was about coming out of yourselves I think that's one of the things too as we get older we can't still have this all about I want to have a good time it's maybe I got to make sure someone else has a good time mm -hmm. and and allowing people to grow so it's really about that as well and, and discovering some really dark painful secrets along the way and and how they respond to that and what that means and then there's there's some scenes I call them flash forwards Okay. People are calling it split time, but it's not technically split time. It's flash forward into 97. So we have some scenes in 97, uh, but the summer, the best summer is 1977. Awesome. A okay. lot of the story takes place in 77. Yeah. Right. Right. So then you get glimpses into their future 20 years later. Right. They're older right. women. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's not split time, just to be clear, split time is usually a protagonist in the past and the protagonist in the current timeline. Right. And uh, then somehow the stories meet in the end. The, the usually the past somehow how somehow helps the present um protagonist these are four girls in 77 four women in 97 mm. 
Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's interesting. You, you tackle an interesting theme in there just with the concept of four women, because like you mentioned, they survive middle school and high school, which in and of yeah. itself is a feat. I was having a conversation with my daughter last night and she was just coming to terms with the idea that it's really hard to keep one friend from the age of 13 all the way on through high school. Oh. Um, and I said, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the dynamics of female friendships. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So what is it, what is it about female friendships that can be so bonding and so divisive? Have you ever explored that or do you explore that in your book? Um, well, we just, we explore the bonding part. And then what's so divisive is when they try to go for their own lives and, and also some of the secrets that come out that are pretty, mm -hmm. pretty devastating. Um, but I also, for me, I've always had this kind of, I love my friends, I, but I have this open hand, like I am not going to cling to you so that you can't grow and I can't grow. And to be honest, I really think, and this is going to be maybe a little radical for some people, I really believe that it all goes back to the garden. It was male and female in the garden. And I think we try to shoehorn ourselves into female relationships um, that maybe and getting emotional needs met that we need to be getting met from our husbands or our fathers. Mm -hmm. And so you see a lot of, I think we, I think we're designed to be with a husband and a husband's designed to be with a wife. And so really that's where our most intimate relationships are. And I think, you know, as society has grown and changed and divorces change, you know, mm -hmm. divorces on the rise or people don't get married or people don't, um, don't even find a spouse for those who don't have a spouse. It doesn't mean you can't have deep, intimate relationships with other women. And God provides for that. But I think that um, sometimes it gets divisive because because of men, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. It does make total sense. And I think we do try and find that intimacy with the females in our lives. And it doesn't always work because they're looking for the same thing. So instead of meeting needs, we're paralleling and then getting frustrated. Yeah, getting frustrating with one mm -hmm. another. You know, or, you know, you just often put demands on friends that they can't meet. Yeah. And so, so, okay, so ultimately, Jamie, let's be honest, it's not our husbands or our spouse or our boyfriends or even our family members or our girlfriends mm -hmm. or our good guy friends. It's really got to be God right. that meets all those needs. And so I think for them, they were meeting a kind of a familial need with one another because of the siblings aspect that they had but also they all had to come to grips with who they are in in the lord eventually mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how do you handle the situation when you've got four girls they're in a summer camp they've kind of been thrust into probably a place they're not necessarily really wanting to be um and at the same time you've got these dark secrets which i probably can't ask what they are because it's probably a spoiler <laughs> no you gotta read the book to find you out. gotta read the book to find out what the secrets are but how do you how do you process all the different emotions that come with the revelation of secrets when you think you know these people already yeah so we start off with the little secrets the little secrets uh you know somebody's not going to stick to the plan somebody has another plan you know those little secrets started coming out and then it was just more like frustrations and it was like well why didn't you just tell us or now what are we going to do now that messes up our housing or that messes up why didn't you just why weren't you honest before now and and some of it was internal doubts. Well, I didn't know I was going to do it until now. I was just testing the waters. And, and well, why didn't you talk to us? So that kind of rigmarole happens. But when the deeper, darker secrets come, again, they they are very supportive of one another, as friends should be. Right. They were. But then there's the final 
the final deep dark secret and it kind of blows two of them out of the water and then mm. things get said that can't be unsaid and it kind of just destroys everyone and, and they always had this thing that they were all for one and one for all and that they were a square mm. and they needed each one in their corner to make the friendship work so if one of them left they collapse into a triangle so somebody got left out right if they collapse into a duo they were too insular and so they they had this dynamic built in they needed to be all four and once mm. one of them started breaking away the whole thing kind of fell apart and then they you know what they go off their separate ways and so yeah yeah wow yeah yeah and then you got 20 years in the future and things 20 years in the future <laughs> yeah so um and it's all kind of a, a coming back around summer's kind of the lead lead storyteller okay so the spiritual journey happens through her you can't have a spiritual journey through four characters no just can't <laughs> so she's the one who kind of has has that come to jesus meeting and so it kind of, and then there's a surprise. There's one more, one of the girls who's at the camp ends up joining their rank, even though she's much younger, they make her baby season. And so she joins their rank and she is a key figure in the 97 fixing. Okay. So okay. awesome. Awesome. So when you have four different people and you're dealing with, with secrets and dark secrets and such, um, just, just internalizing it now as I'm thinking about my own relationships with people that I have. And, um, there's been times I've shared secrets and the response is really supportive. And then there's other times I share secrets and they're just like, you feel instantly abandoned. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah, I wasn't expecting you to go there. I'm out. And you're just kind of left on your own. How do we, how do we, as believers, as, um, sisters in Christ and even in relationships where you don't necessarily have the bond of Christ because one may be not a believer or something how do we come alongside in a way that is supportive without being intrusive and then also supportive without just completely going I have no idea what to do yeah really or I think the other the other caveat that we fall into is someone tells you or you tell a secret or someone tells you a secret and the response is kind of like huh you know you just kind of Cool. Well, I just spilled my guts, and the response is, "Huh? Like, what do I do with that?" You know, I feel like, well, first of all, as believers, I think we have to really begin to ask for the heart of God. One of the one of my constant prayers lately is, "Holy Spirit, first of all, show me how you feel about me," because I I got to be rooted and grounded in love. And so mm. we come to the table with so much insecurity. We come into almost all of our relationships with some level of insecurity, and. And so I feel like if I know how he feels about me, if I get myself rooted and grounded in love, then I am free to love other people, even if they don't love me back, even if they disappoint me, even if they let me down. Right. And so I feel like really and truly, if we're trying to plug in and get all of our, our value from the world around us and get that, we're going to end up disappointed. So I, I just think I would start there. I had a dream once years ago and I thought it was, kind of a, a, a dream in the moment, but it's actually turned into a life message. And in the dream, I was in our house. I was actually in the physical house. I could see the house. And it was almost as if God was over my shoulder talking to me. So I could, I could feel his presence. I knew he was showing me something. Um, and so the curling iron was plugged in the kitchen and my blender was plugged in the bathroom. And so what the Lord says is some people have their faith plugged into their feelings and their truth plugged into their experience. Mm. While those are real and 
and they are valid. They are things that happen to you. They are things that you feel. They're not functioning in the right, they're not plugged into the right place. Right. So you cannot make your food by running to the bathroom to put your stuff in the blender and you can't curl your hair in the kitchen. You're going to get burned. Right. And so what, so what he said was you have to plug your faith, your faith and your truth into the word. And so you bring your mm. feelings and your experience in line with the word. And that gives you a clearer view then of how you see yourself and how you see God and how you see others. Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of how I've, I've shared that more in the last decade than I ever shared it in the first 15 years after that I had the dream. And so I feel like you, we kind of have to take that approach even to our friendships. And that is, you know, when I have a friendship that was shifting and changing and we weren't as close as we were and we were um, physically apart and, you know, I was trying to navigate it and there were some things that hurt and things I didn't understand. And I just kept going back to the Lord, like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Because because the nature part of me would say, well, okay, fine. I guess we've run our course. I'll see you later. And the Lord was just like, can't you just love? Mm. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I can, I'll just, I'll just love and take what I get and let you worry about the rest. Yeah. And it gave me such peace. And so mm. that's a long-winded answer to your question. But I, I think we got to root or ground ourselves in the Lord and to have that proper perspective of all of our relationships. Even if we share something and doesn't get the proper response, we go, okay, that didn't work. I'll just, let's go back to Jesus. <laughs> and you know, sometimes you have to ask the question. I had a friend say something to me one time. He was giving me input. I led worship at a conference and he was giving me some input. And it, it felt like... <laughs> Like it just condemned me mm. and that, and I was about to go leave worship at the next session. And I'm telling I was a wreck, Jamie. Yeah. I, just, I can't, I was just a wreck. And then my guitar player was in a wreck about something. And we were all just, the whole team was a wreck. We're like, thank goodness the Holy spirit comes. <laughs> so the next day I finally said, I go, you know, when you said that, blah, blah, he was like, Oh no, I didn't mean that at all. This is what I meant. And so sometimes it's just asking the question. Yeah. Like, Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Can you help me out here? I just pour my heart out. And you went, huh? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's funny because my husband and I were having this conversation the other day that we have moved as a society. And I don't know if it's an American thing or a generational thing or what. We've moved from the society where asking questions is okay. It's now um, either offensive or you're defending. Like you feel like you're instantly on defense. Like I have to defend myself. Um, my husband is huge. Like I'll say something and he'll ask for clarification all the time. And my instant reaction is that question of clarification is, is not clarification. It's questioning my intent, my purpose, my method, my efficiency. Myself. Yeah. And I'm like, why, why are you asking me that? Why can't you just trust me? So I just wanted to know why you came to that conclusion, right? It's a simple question. Can I not know? Is it wrong to ask? Yeah. And I think sometimes we're like that in our relationships too, where yeah. we don't understand something. And so instead of saying, can you, Rachel, can you re-explain that for me? Cause I'm hearing this and I don't know if that's what you mean. Yeah. We're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think we have to know, our, know who we're talking to and when we're mm -hmm. talking to them. So if you, if you're about to bury your soul and you don't have that person's 100% attention, mm -hmm. don't do it. Right. Maybe you even say, Hey, I'd like to really share something deep and personal. So when it's a good time for you and you can really. We can have the uninterrupted time. Right. I would love to talk with you. I mean, I think we have to do that. Even um, talking to my sister-in-law one time, she lost her son mm. uh, about 10, 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, and it was the clarification of, do you want us to ask 
or do you want us to not ask? Yeah. Like, cause some people say, Oh, you know, I, I there's a death in the family. Everyone's asking how I'm doing. Well, how do you think I'm doing? And right. then there's another person who goes, no one asked me how I'm doing. And I'm right. like, we don't, we don't know. So right. we have to ask. And if you're, and if that's you tell somebody, I would love to talk about this person or this event mm-hmm. um, or say, you know, I really am not yet ready to talk about it. And so, right. Right. so we sat in, with my sister-in-law and we sat in for an hour and just talked about her son yeah. and womanist and had a good time remembering him and talking about where they were now and mm-hmm. at that time. So I think it's asking more questions is good yeah. and, and bringing that clarification to the table. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Well, we covered, we covered so many deep, I know. So you're just brilliant, Rachel. You're so brilliant. (laughs) Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. We covered some deep stuff, but I have to ask, you also have a camp in this environment. And I come from a camp background, a Christian camp, and was raised going there, working there. I was a camp counselor. So you're speaking speaking my language there. Um, So this camp you designed, how much uh, does it play into the story? Or is it just a background setting? Or tell us a little bit about it. It's the, it's the setting. They're out to be yeah. camp. I never went to camp. I think I went to a couple of church camps when I was young. And then I, Tony and I, when I, when I got married, he was a youth pastor. So we did the mm-hmm. week retreats. I had a little bit of experience, yep. but not that kind of rolling in and rolling out. So it was a weekly camp. The girls came in on Sunday. They left on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, the four seasons were, they had to do everything. And so there was a cook and there was a maintenance guy. There was Summer's mother who was the director. And then the girls did all the cleaning, all the laundry. That, that <laughs> got me into the town of Tumbleweed so I could do some other things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it, they ended up having a great time. So they each had like six little girls in four cabins every week. And so I had moonlight, starlight, sun glow, and moon glow cabins. Oh, I and that's where we meet Levi, who's Summer's love interest. Oh. And yeah, so we give a little bit of love interest there. So yeah, that really plays into the story. And then as a backdrop, like way back here, what I originally wanted when I came up with a story was I wanted a, an outside fear factor. And I mm-hmm. thought that kind of plays into what we've gone through with COVID this kind of outside fear factor changed how we lived our lives and right. changed our experiences and into um in from 2020 on, especially for children. So right. yeah. Excuse me. A real life okay. event was the Girl Scout camp in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, just on the other side of Tulsa, had three little girls kidnapped and murdered on the first night of camp in June 13th, 1977. Oh no. So my girls are, my girls are there for a week. This happens and then everybody has to respond. And if you talk to anybody who lived in Oklahoma in that time, the whole state was fearful because they didn't know who did it. There was a big manhunt. Um, parents wouldn't allow their children to camp out in the backyard. One girl's camp bus went with an armed guard. It was, it just, it shot fear and terror through the whole state because here, who would do that, right? right? And they find evidence that of a ransack. They knew that one of the counselors' camp uh, cabins had been ransacked. 
couple weeks before, mm-hmm. there was actually a note left that said, we will kill who's ever intent one on the first night. Oh my god! I thought it was a prank. And so they, but then the, so the tents were remote. They, tent one was way out on the edge of camp. And so when that happens, my story then responds. Yeah. So it's not center stage, mm-hmm. but it is something that happens. And it's something that we hear about. We get updates on. And so, but we go on lockdown. So then we, so now that adds to the pressure cauldron of this relationship that I have with these four girls and how, and then you get to see each one of their personality. Like Summer's like, I'm going for a walk down the street and Autumn, who's the big sister in her real family. So she's kind of the sister of the group, the big sister. You're not allowed to go anywhere by yourself. And she's like, I'm not, this whole town is crawling with look at book. There are five cops are walking up and down the street that all the cops in a small tumbleweed were on duty. You know, so it was kind of brought out each one of the girls' personality. And yeah. it also allowed me to address, you know, Summer's mom had to be, she had to provide security to all the parents mm-hmm. who were letting their kids still come to camp. Yeah. And so they kept the camp open. They had security on the camp at the campsite. And the girls were never allowed to go anywhere by themselves. But it brought up, okay, we were safe. But then it allowed me to deal with Summer going, but I don't want to live in fear. So mm-hmm. how do, how do, so I think that was a huge thing that we walked through, through COVID is like, yes, we all yeah. wanted to be safe. And yes, we wanted to be mindful of those who had weaker systems who right. might be affected by COVID, but none of us wanted to live in fear. Right. So how do, how do you manage that? And I think it's a question that we're still asking ourselves. And so that was one of the things that I dealt with. So I didn't deal with COVID so much, but I dealt with, I think the emotion of COVID yeah. uh, in this particular story. So Wow, I didn't, I'd never heard of that. Um, did they ever, in real life, did they ever find? And so they locked the guy for it and they arrested him. He was acquitted and then oh. he died in prison because he had, he was convicted of something else and had escaped. Okay. And so they put him back in prison after he was acquitted for his previous crimes. Mm. And he died a couple months later of a heart attack. Okay. So it's still a cold case, technically. Mm. What's yeah. interesting is I had never heard of it when I started the book in 2021 is when I kind of started putting it all together mm-hmm. and then in May of 22 just as I'm finishing the book with my first draft I find out that Hulu has a documentary on it with Kristen Chenoweth because Kristen Chenoweth was supposed to go to camp that camp that year but she got sick and didn't go and uh, Fox Nation I recently learned has done a document uh, documentation documentary yeah i get it right yeah documentary on the camp scott murder so there's two uh, documentaries on it now so wow. all right you know out. me i'm gonna write that down and have to watch that so. you're gonna have to I, I haven't watched either one of them yet because I, <laughs> I did a lot of research on it yeah. and i read, I read uh, yeah. a book that was written about it okay. but and, and again it wasn't my it wasn't my main stage story right right but i did eventually acknowledge the three little girls who lost their lives mm, yeah. Um, yeah and and that played into really kind of kind of a, a spiritual and emotional um part for the for the four seasons they needed to appreciate their lives because three little girls mm-hmm. lost theirs they'll never get mm-hmm. to be moms they'll never get mm-hmm. to go to college they'll never get to drive a car yeah. they'll never have a first kiss and yeah. so that was they themselves i had the characters remember them and and stand up for them uh, in their minds that they would always remember them. And then I use that later on to kind of start mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. shifting the story in 97. <laughs> oh, sounds great. Okay. So if readers want to read this book, um, how would you compare your books? Who would you compare your books to if people are looking at it? Cause this isn't a suspense novel, even though we have some of those underlying ideas. So what's no, the best yeah. way to describe your genre and what you're, who you're writing for? 
I think if you like any kind of mainstream general market fiction, you would probably enjoy this story. If you like, uh, if, if you like it, even kind of a mainstream contemporary story in uh, in Christian fiction in our in, in that under that umbrella, inspirational market. Oh God, now I'm blank on who I would compare myself to. Um, I bet you'd compare yourself to Rachel Houck. She's a really good author. She's a really okay. good author. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I, you know, God, I can't even think like who I would, because wh- whoever I say, they're like, oh, she's not like her at all. Right. I um, know. That's probably not a fair question to ask. So you don't have to answer it. But I, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, as readers are, are listening, your, sure. your books are so multifaceted. Um you know, it's, it's really kind of a, is it a coming of age story, a friendships novel? Yeah, I think it would be kind of, it's actually, it's on the bestseller list. We were just talking about that. It's labeled a romance. And I wrote to our publisher and I'm like, you know, it's not a romance, but it's kind of like, you got to stick it somewhere, but it's really a contemporary story. It's about, it's not women's fiction, but I would, I would call it a friendship or a contemporary story, just a, kind of a mainstream here's a story of four girls at 18 four women at 38 we're taking a look at their lives um perfect perfect i like that that's a good summary and it's a tone women's fiction has a certain tone yeah it does it has something that's interesting romance has a tone women's yeah. fiction has a tone. contemporary has a tone i would say the tone is contemporary okay that's good that's helpful awesome and if readers want to find out more about you if they don't already know who you are um yeah, then do not <laughs> <laughs> Where would they go to find out about Rachel Hauk? Oh, yeah. Pop on my website, rachelhauk.com. And from there, you can go to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, under the same BookBub. Please follow me on BookBub. Yeah. I know y'all want you to follow on BookBub. And sign up for my newsletter because um, I don't send it. I don't, I'm not going to bombard your mailbox. But when I do send it, I there's things in that you're not going to find anywhere else. It's a little bit more personal. Um, so I write things in the newsletter and share things in the newsletter that you're not going to find online. So awesome. I really like to enjoy that uh, more personal conversation with those who sign up for the newsletter. Well, cool. awesome. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. It was so hey, much fun to chat. Me. It was great. We'll have to have you back again. Please do. I'd love to. Bye, Jamie. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.